Soccer Nation, your authoritative source for NCAA Division I collegiate soccer, hosted by Oklahoma Sooners head coach Matt Mott, Rice Owls head coach Brian Lee, and the Duke Blue Devils head coach Robbie Church. They've got the insights, strategies, and insider stories you won't hear anywhere else. From recruiting to national championships, the coaches have it covered. So lace up and let's hit the pitch with Coach Mott, Coach Lee, and Coach Church. College Soccer Nation, this is Matt Mott from the Oklahoma Sooners. I'm back in my studio. Uh, back live in the studio, I have joined. They're back in their studios with Brian Lee from the Rice Owls, head coach there, and Robbie Church from the Duke Blue Devils. This is uh, what's that word? Pen, pen, tell me when it's the one before the last one. What's that word? Penultimate, penultimate, penultimate uh, podcast before we break for the Christmas break and the dead period. We'll have one more next week where we're going to try and get um, the national champion head coach on with us. But, fellas, we have reached the end of the college soccer season. This past weekend, we had the Final Four. We're going to break that down for you a little bit, talk about some of the, the, the three games, and then uh, and then move on with a couple other topics for today, just some fun stuff, a lively uh, conversation. And, and um, Chris isn't here, so it'll be mostly positive. But, uh, Robbie, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm well. I'm well. Made it back from California Got out of Jim's old stinky office that I had to do the last the last five for Jim Wayne's old office with the, at the home of the legends. Man, that was a tough one to be able to stuck in that thing. Uh, but well, yeah. what's funny though? What's funny, Churchy, is home of the legends and it's Jim Wayne's office. So yeah, are we call Jim true. Wayne a legend? I think we gotta uh, have to, don't we? He's yeah. a legend in a lot of areas. In a, in a lot of areas, we can't talk about on this podcast. He is a legend on a lot of areas. You're right about that. Uh, Brian, welcome to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. You know, I've been funneling my proceeds from this podcast into my nice fancy office here, or nice ah, fancy yeah. studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, <laughs> no I mean well. these proceeds. I'm wait, I'm looking to buy a boat with all the proceeds we're making <laughs> on this thing. <laughs> um, all right, uh, here we go. So, final four, and again, I think. Um, it was, and again, strange for me not being there because I was at the last four and it's interesting, but watching back like I used to do before the before the committee. Um, but first game, Clemson, Florida State. Clemson zero, Florida State two. Um, I have some opinions, but I'd like to hear you guys first. What did you think of watching the game and kind of how it went for, for Clemson against Florida State for the third time this year? Robbie, go ahead. Yeah, I thought Clemson played well early. Uh, I thought they had the ball. I thought they were keeping the ball. I know talking to Eddie going in, the main thing he wanted to do was keep the ball better than he did the last, the first two games against them. You know, that's the third time that they had played during the course of the year. And and I really thought they played well. I thought, you know, um it was one of the one of the better performances that I have seen from Clemson for most parts of the game. I think they felt good, but you know, they're just so explosive, so explosive. And when the ball turns over and they're so good in transition, they get people forward. And I know we're going to talk about the final game, but some of the goals in the final game were terrific. And, you know, so I just thought they just got caught a couple of times in transition and they got forward in their athleticism, you know, just broke broke Clemson down. But I, I thought Clemson was really good and, you know, right there with them, except in transition. My thoughts. Yeah. Brian? Oh, yeah. I would echo Robbie, you know, 
part of keeping the ball is sometimes you're going to keep the ball in their end. Yeah. And that's the worst thing that could happen for Clemson. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're just devastating in transition. And I, I went back and watched a little of Clemson FSU earlier before the game. And I, and I agree with Robbie. I think, I think they played them better that game, but in 2023, the talent gap between FSU and everybody else was pretty significant. Yeah, no doubt. Um, my thought only was, you know, early on in the game, Clemson tried to be really, really physical with them. You know, there were a lot of fouls. Brian got yellow carded, I think, for Florida State and was pretty frustrated. I think the players were pretty frustrated. And it's almost like, you know, you, you, you take a risk. Are you going to poke the bear? Right. You're going to poke the bear. And, and certainly it, it, it pissed off some of those guys up front. And um, They were pretty excited to score and, and really hungry. And you know, they scored that second one early in the second half. That really pretty much ended the game. Probably. I think you look back and I'm not sure Florida State's um, back line and goalkeeping got enough credit through the year because we talk about the front group so much. But they didn't give up many goals and they were really, really good in that game as well. And again, Clemson got a couple decent looks. You think on another day, maybe one or two. One goes in, maybe two goes in, but uh, so Florida State goes on to the final, and then the second game was bizarre. Stanford scores two goals in the first four minutes of the game, and and on two crackers, really. I mean, the two well taken taken goals. BYU scores um, in the first half and gets called back for offsides, which wasn't offsides, which I think leads us to, you know, really looking at you know goal chances, onsides, offsides, uh, video review. Um, disappointing because I think if that's 2-1 going into halftime, a lot different game, a lot different game for BYU. And, man, BYU just wasn't their night. Like, they just couldn't couldn't find the the back of the goal, couldn't get a good clean shot. And give Stanford credit the way they defended, but um, 2-0 to Stanford. Uh, thoughts on that one, Brian? I, I mean, I thought BYU looks uh, plenty good enough to win. You know, that was the – I think the first time all year – or, or the most shots allowed by Stanford all year. And, and Stanford's defense has been a real fortress. Uh, but, you know, a lot of us complain about games in August when a bad call costs us a game on a Tuesday night against a team from 50 miles away. That's just brutal for BYU because I do think that that, that goal counts. And we, we got a whole different second half. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt. Robbie? Uh, after four minutes of the game, I was like, okay, BYU got them right where you want them. And that being down <laughs> to nothing, I was like, this point. is BYU's game right where you want them. Now, now we'll start to come back. You know, I, I, I thought, you know, I don't know what the XG was on those in that game for BYU, but it had to be a lot. It had yeah. to be a lot. And they, you know, it, it's, you know, it's too bad. They finished so well all year long and they scored so many goals all year long. And it was a tough one for them to, to go a little bit dry because they had some really good looks. And yeah. I think we all agree. I think they were probably the better team overall. Uh, but, you know, a lot of times it doesn't happen. But, you know, it's so, I, yeah. I, you know, Stanford, Stanford, you know, again, we talked last week how well of a season they've had and how little publicity they had all during the season. And a little, and that was probably another another game that they didn't overwhelm people, but they won the game, and they yeah. just keep they just keep a little bit like I said for Clemson, they don't overwhelm you with athleticism, but all Clemson did was win, and all Stanford yeah. did was win until they ran into the juggernaut. Yeah, so so interesting, right? You set up the final looks on paper like a great final, first time ever. I didn't know that either, Robbie. By the way, or Brian, first time ever two undefeated teams playing in the final. And we thought, okay, here we go, going to be a good game. 
And when the clock strikes zero at the end, it's five to one FSU over Stanford and just a clinical display of attacking movement. I think, you know, them being able to play, um, you know, Friday, Monday and get that little bit extra rest. I mean, those those Florida State kids were flying. Um, and, and, you know, one of the I think it was the second goal. Thank the you. transition transition on that on that goal is as good as I can remember seeing a game and a, a a college goal on the women's side for sure. Um, at that level, at that magnitude of game, I mean the touches, the passing, the the finish was brilliant. Um, you know, hats off to Brian and his staff for just a. I mean, I would say this to you too, guys. When was the last time we had that lopsided of a final? Um, you look at these last few years, a bunch of men have been penalties. They're tight. I think part of the extra day rest certainly helped. But I mean, I think you got to go back to back, you know, in the really dominance of Carolina way back before you've had a game like that. I don't know when it was, but a four goal win um, with two undefeated teams, really impressive display by Florida State. Yeah. Robbie, go ahead. You know, I think they realized they were 90 minutes away from a national championship. And you could see that in the first couple of minutes. They were flying. They came out. I thought they came out flying. And, you know, uh, agree. What what movement on that second goal, third play, you know, ball in, ball back, ball played over top with it, great movement, great finish, great finish. I think at that point, Stanford was like, man, I've never seen anything like that. And and they were, <laughs> they were, they were completely, completely done. Um, but, you know, credit, credit Florida State. They, they knew the uh, situation they were in. They knew they were 90 minutes away from a national championship and, you know, they, they took it up a, 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 a another gear, I really felt, all day. They were, you know, and they could have scored some more goals. It could have been worse. Yeah, yeah, I hit the post. Yeah, no doubt. No, th- I thought, too, when they had cut it to, to what they cut it, 3-2? No, no, 2-1, two, 2-1. One. Two, one. Two, one. That Brett Olsen goal is really class. Yes. I mean, she ran away from that defender and then yep. great finish. I mean, you see so many kids get in that spot, but then you don't finish it. Like, that was a that was a big-time goal, too. Uh, Brian, yeah. thoughts on the game? Well, the scoreline was fair. A lot of times games end and we <laughs> like that. We're like, oh, it wasn't really a fair scoreline. No, no, that was about right for the day. Um, I mean, that, that front five from Florida State, the three SEC transfers, you know, uh, the international, maybe three of them are internationals. But then Dudley is just such a final piece to making them truly dominant. That level yeah. of athlete who, who moves like that and tactically – you know, she's I had not heard that about her coming out as a recruit that she could, you know, kind of acquiesce that quickly to their playing style. Uh, that, it's just really, really impressive. And that I mean, that looked like old school North Carolina. dominance. Yeah. And that's an unbeaten Stanford team. And they're running yeah. past them like standing still. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's impressive. Yeah. Well, yep. Brian text me. Uh, Brian text me when they got the goal back and said game on. And then three minutes later, it was game over <laughs> or whatever it was. And then they scored. <laughs> uh, but no, um, congratulations to Florida State. Very deserved. Fourth one, fourth championship. So another star on the shirt for him. Yeah, Robbie. And the best thing in our league about it is hope they all go. See you later. I'm coming, yeah. to, gradu- I'm coming to graduation in May. I'm going to count how many of you guys are going and how many and how many Dudley you don't even need to graduate, okay? Go ahead. Yeah. Good. You guys. Head on out. Yeah. See you later. No, da- <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Okay, well, just to just kind of put a put an end of the end on the season, I do have the top 25. 
Um, it'll be released tomorrow. So if you, Darren gets this out today and you listen to it today, you'll have an, an insider information. But Or maybe it did come out today. I don't know. I may come out today. But regardless, I have it. So Florida State ends number one, obviously, got all the first place votes, um, as they had for a number of weeks now. Um, they finished the season 22-0-1. And, and you guys, do you know which one the one was, the tie? Do you remember? I do not. I had to look it, I had to look it up. But I do oh, remember, as soon as I looked it up, I remembered, oh, yeah. Remember they tied Carolina. Late three, three, got the three, three, yeah. Last yeah. seconds when they headed, when they headed up. On the corner. Yeah, yeah, Kiki got a second ball in the corner and roofed it on the on the uh, the ball in the in the net. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So uh, that's your only blemish. Twenty two zero and one, very very fantastic. Stanford's two twenty one and four. Clemson three. I mean, I mean, it's got to be the highest finish, obviously, for Clemson ever. Congrats to them. Um, then you go BYU's four. Those are the top four. Then the next Penn State, Pittsburgh, Nebraska seven, North Carolina eight, Texas Tech nine um let's just stop there for a second anything pop out at you obviously in that top nine fellas something very clear all power five uh well yeah i'd say all, all power, power five, five they interesting just like the quarterfinals now yeah. to me they're, they're really one and the same it's so in, and i've been the chair of that committee and you're the chair of it now aren't you right the ranking thing yep yep oh. It's uh, so interesting to me how much where you finished in the NCAA tournament, literally round, influences where where you are. Because did you say UCLA yet? No. You know, no, they, they, yeah, they're they're a long ways down actually. Yeah, because they lost in the first round. Again, they outshot people twenty to two. If that happened in you know September during instead, the week, yeah, yeah. But, but what's, your, what's your thoughts, Brian? I mean, but I guess if we put us all together, I guess the, the problem is it's not a true tournament because of the seeding, right? And because yeah. of the matchups. But it does put us all against each other or everybody against each other. And, you know, guys make sweet six. I mean, you look at, so if I continued on, Memphis is 10, St. Louis 11, Michigan State 12, Georgia 13, Mississippi State 14, UCLA 15. And no offense to James, I think he had a great year, but Mississippi State better than UCLA? They play each other? That's just an example. I mean, Memphis yeah. better than UCLA? You know, I, I don't think so. But but I think the other point is, wasn't St. Louis in the oh, – they lost to get in the lead eight? Yeah, they were in the Sweet 16. Sweet 16, they lost, okay. They lost yeah, that's right. right. They lost to, to Penn State, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not no, arguing not, with Yeah, not Notre Dame 16. The whole, yeah. like, uh, you know – where you finish should heavily dictate. I'm not against it. I'm just pointing it out. We're a little different than most sports. Our poll really follows the NCAA tournament when it's over. Yeah. Church, your okay. thoughts on that top 16? The Arkansas 17, Texas 18. And yeah. Texas was in the Sweet 16, right? Right. Yeah, yeah they lost to Tech. They lost to Florida State. Any thoughts, yeah. Churchy, on that? You know, you know who jumps out at me is Nebraska because they didn't make the – they were the last team out last year, everybody said, Right. You're and, right, they were, yeah. Now, here, here's for us three, since we are not, none of us in the tournament <laughs> this year. Yeah. They're hooked for yeah. us three players. <laughs> none of us in That's the tournament. Right. So nice Nebraska gets a top, what was it, was seven? What were they? Nine, seven. seven, yeah, seven. Yeah, yeah, nice. So there's hope for all three of us. How many teams, <laughs> I know you haven't finished the 25, but is yeah. Nebraska the only team that didn't go to the tournament last year? 
that came back and went to the tournament and finished top 25? Mississippi State make it last year? I don't know. I don't remember. I think they did. That's terrible. I feel terrible saying it. Actually, I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They did. They did for sure. Yep, they did. Okay. Uh, Notre Dame, Arkansas, Texas is 18. Wisconsin, 19. Cal Irvine is 20. They make it make it last year? I don't know. USC. Yeah, Southern Cal, right? right. Maybe USC. Okay, yeah. Maybe at USC last year. South, yep. South Carolina made it last year. Alabama, 22, made it last year. Santa Clara, 23. That's got to be low for a while for them. Um, 23. Iowa, 24. They make it last year? They may not. They may, I don't know. They may. Terrible. Our research. Ago, they won the tournament. Their record in right. the tournament is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And then Southern Cal, 25. So, yeah, mm-hmm. Nebraska may be the only one. Um, Iowa, we're not, not sure about. And again, we apologize. Again, this is nothing personal, guys. This is just <laughs> talking about teams. Um, but, uh, yeah, so interesting. Um, okay, so let's talk. Uh, so there's your final 25. The season is over. And now we're into uh, – we are into new coaches and – New, um, you know, we got some new coaches hired, and then certainly we still have some positions open. So, Robbie, you want to introduce the new coaches? Yes, yes, we have, you know, we still have 21 jobs that are open, um, which I think is a lot. And some of them, if you look at the jobs, I mean, it's some of them been there since the end of uh, October. What's happening yeah. there? We, we are ADs, we are December the 5th today, okay. How about helping your portal closes in seven days? Yeah. How about helping your student athletes out a little bit? Why don't you hire a coach out there for a number of people? But there has been some really good movement. I think last time we talked, we were talking about uh, Chris Brown being hired in South Florida. Uh, Mm -hmm. We talked about Jimmy Walker uh, and Ben Williams at Stephen F. Austin, Jimmy Walker at Creighton. Um, Since then, you know, uh, Richard has moved over from South Alabama to Purdue. Um, I think that's yeah. going to, you know, that's a tough job and a tough league, but I think he's going to do, do really well too. I, I think, I think this one's a home run a little bit. And I really don't know Nate as well as uh, other people, but from afar, um, I think we played him the first game he had when he was Xavier and they were not good at all. And I yeah. think he's done a really, really good job. And, you know, he he's put himself right behind Georgetown in the Big East and they've been almost toe-to-toe with, with Georgetown the last two years. So I think he's going to do, you know, a great job at Kansas. And, you know, I've already talked about how impressed I was with the Kansas administration um, and the job they do. And I think they, they feel like they found somebody, you know, that's, that's going to, I think take that program to probably new heights a little bit, even though Mark did a really good job with it too, obviously. And then I think we're all excited about Ken. We're welcome to the ACC, Ken. Um, you know, I, I think with him uh, getting this position, um, I know he's been at Vanderbilt a long time, uh, a long time, and he's looked at a lot of positions with it too. And, you know, for him to get this position, I think just congratulations and and good luck. You know, when uh, when I came into ACC, I had brown hair, so uh, <laughs> right, it won't be long before you look like this. So yeah. sorry about that. Yeah, that's but that's being in this league too. So I do think there's some interesting jobs that are still open. Last thing here, Boston College. 
What are we going to do there, Boston College? Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you, need to, you need to get somebody in. San Diego. Uh, I was just in San Diego for the G for the uh, GA event. I think I went by campus and applied for that job after spending three days in San Diego. That <laughs> was uh, uh, a very nice South. Let, South me, let me stop you there for a minute, Churchy. Yes. Why hasn't San Diego been better? Right? You got an opinion? Yeah. yeah. WCC, I, I good league. Obviously, I, players everywhere. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I think what we always don't know is what's underneath the programs. I mean, let's – A, is San Diego fully funded? I don't right. know. Yeah. yeah. You know, the number one answer is they have six scholarships as possible. Yeah, sure. And they can't stack eight. So if they can't stack eight – and, you know, if people don't know what stacking aid means is you can combine athletic and academic or combine athletic and financial aid and stack them on top of each other. Some schools can do that and some can't. So if you can do that, you know, there's schools rolling around with 28, 32 kids on full rides playing college soccer. Sure. And it, yeah. And that's my first answer. And I know nothing about how San Diego operates, but that can't be hard to recruit to, as Robbie just alluded to. Holy cow. Who doesn't want to go to San Diego? Um, the school is beautiful too. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then real quick on Kansas, um, you kind of hit on it, Churchy, but people, I don't know how far back you go remember on how bad Xavier was and how good they are now. And that yeah. is a hell of a job Nate's done there in a pretty short amount of time of, revamping that program and again nothing against what they were before it's just the program he took over was really struggling and he took them from struggling to being you know they got they hosted this year right and uh was a, a seated team um which i think you would have seen that a few a few years before he got there but so well, um i think kansas, couple, i think they, kansas did a good job with nate for sure yeah you never know how it's going to work out because you know we all really really rate mark francis as a coach work sure. and all that kind of stuff and he would have some up years and some down years so who knows where that what really the peak of that program is but maybe we'll find out with Nate but uh, I'll say this Robbie alluded to up there with Georgetown did you know they haven't lost a big east regular season game Xavier hasn't in two years they're unbeaten in their last 20 in the big east wow wow you know? and yeah. Yeah, the thing with Nate we we played him and they don't have anybody – this year's version didn't have anybody who scared you, but just extremely well coached, 24 players deep, rotating same for same. Um, he's he's really done a great job uh, establishing himself in that league. No question. All right, Churchy, sorry, cut you off. Go ahead. Any more no, other jobs? I think that's a South Alabama. Greensboro, again, we talked about that last week, I think is a – is a really good job for a young. No, no, uh, I, I think they, um, I think they promoted the assistant to uh, uh, interim for a year. Is what oh, I heard. They, I'm pretty sure that's true. That. Okay, yeah. I have not yeah. seen that. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And then obviously, what Nate's done, Xavier. That's another one that would be interesting to see who feels that who feels that position that's coming up to. So, yeah, that's the jobs. But there's still a okay. lot out there. As I said once, come on, ads, let's go. Let's yeah, it's time to go. Right. It's time to go. I mean. You want them done before Christmas, before the January event now. You missed the Tennessee event. Um, yep. you, you get it going. Um, all right. Um, one of the interesting topics I thought we'd talk about is let's talk a little bit about realignment now that the season is over and we are officially in 2024, um, soccer-wise, from a soccer standpoint. 
let's look at what some of these leagues look like now, right? So we'll start with the most important league, the SEC. And uh, <laughs> you know I had to say it. But obviously, um, the University <laughs> of Texas is joining the SEC, as is a little team by the name of the University of Oklahoma are joining the SEC. Um, thoughts, Brian, you being a longtime SEC coach, how does that adjust, change, does it? What, what's your thoughts on the SEC? And again, I'm going to ask you, Robbie, about the ACC in a minute, but the SEC landscape uh, with Texas and Oklahoma coming in and obviously nobody going out. You know, it's interesting. I, I think Texas and Oklahoma profile very, very SEC. And what I mean by that is programs that can be final eight, final 16, depending on the year, but haven't proven they can really broke, break through and win a national championship or a, a steady final four. I think both will be really competitive to win the league. Um, and what's happened in the SEC in the last five, six years is just the depth. Day in, day out, it's such a grind. You know, back in the day, you'd, you'd get some two, three, four teams at the bottom of the league that were pretty soft. That doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a really, really tough league. But I don't know how much they, from a soccer standpoint program, they're both improving. And I'm not just saying that because you're staring at me on a Zoom. But Oklahoma <laughs> and they're both getting a lot better. Um, and, and the direction is definitely pointed upward. And for those two schools – man, I'd rather be joining the SEC than the Big Ten or the ACC. Wouldn't you, where you're staring at the top, which is a real mountain to climb? You know, Arkansas has been great, clearly establishes the top program in the SEC, but that's not trying to climb Florida State, Virginia, Duke, um, you know, BYU, BYU even. Um, Yeah, no, I think you're right. I do think think top to bottom, it's a really, really tough league. Like you're saying, you're going to have 10 games of it's a grind. Like the best team can beat the bottom team in the SEC on any given night. And you can't say that about the other leagues. You can't. You can't sit there and go, BYU is going to lose to the bottom team in the Big 12. Um, You know, that's probably not going to happen or whatever it is, right? Same thing. Florida State's not losing to the bottom team of the ACC on a consistent basis. Not that it's going to be consistent, but my point is, like, you you line up the teams in the SEC – and you don't know. You don't know who's going to win um, based on the matchup because they're they're really tight. Um, all well, right, let's move over. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. One more thing. The interesting thing with Texas will be, and, you know, obviously players make the biggest difference and coaches make a big difference. But coming into the SEC for Texas, the one thing they don't have is that colossal home advantage that all the SEC teams have. When you roll into Oxford, they're right on top of you. And Starkville, they're ringing the cowbells. And Baton Rouge, you're seeing giant crawfish crawl from out from under the stand. <laughs> there's nothing say it, though. You know, it's not anymore, but the field used to be slanted. And, well, you know, there's 2,500 um, people with hog heads on. You know, exactly. going, going, going crazy. The first yeah. time you roll through that, you're like, holy cow. But it, that, that home field advantage for those places is real. It's awesome environments to play in. But yeah. Texas the big stadium with the track and it's really yeah. it's a beautiful playing surface but there's no environment no uh, and no they've really tried hard too and it's yeah i don't disagree with you um it's good all right let's look at the acc so realignment in the acc churchy you are yep. bringing in a little team by the name of ucla a no. little team by the no no 
Oh, that's Big Ten. Sorry, my bad. My bad. My bad. Hey, I got ahead on. of myself. I got ahead of myself. I got ahead of myself. The ACC is bringing in who? You tell me. Stanford. Little team called yeah. Stanford. They Little team called Stanford. And, and, they're probably mad, and they're probably mad after last yeah. night as they come in. Uh, another little team called Cal. And I tell you what, an ACC is going to do a really, really improving job with SMU. That's going to ACC is going to open up a lot of doors with SMU in that hotbed of Dallas. I think the interesting thing in, in the ACC is just the travel and the geography, how far we're apart from each other. And, you know, what, what's our schedule going to look like? I know we're going to have 10 games over eight weeks. So we have 17 soccer playing teams in the, in the uh, ACC next year. Who are you going to draw? Who are you not going to draw in, in those 10 games? Um, it, it, it's going to be very interesting. You know, what do you do when you go out to play Cal and Stanford? Do you leave on a Tuesday and come back on a Sunday? You leave on a Wednesday and you play on Thursday? You know, what do you do if you're Stanford and Cal? Do you leave every every other weekend coming east? You know, what and 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 enjoy that trip to Boston College and Syracuse in October. Okay. That's that's mm -hmm. a bummer. Or Notre Dame, maybe you draw Notre Dame in Pittsburgh in October too. That's gonna that's gonna be a really a fun one too. So you know, it's uh, there's there's a lot of questions, but it just makes a stronger league much stronger. Um, you know, I wish we would play. I, I get it while we're not because of uh, the RPI, uh, but I wish we would play more of these teams because the league is so strong. It's a it's a showcase league. It's it's probably the best league that's been out there ever. You know, with with these teams coming in. Um, you know, and, and only playing two, you know, is is or only sorry, only playing ten games. You know, you really have no league champion. You know, they that's one thing I've been talking about for a couple of years. Even with fourteen teams, there's no more league champion. You, how how can you call yourself a league champion if you only play ten out of the seventeen teams, and yeah. and then qualifying for only six six of them in the in the tournament too? How do you how do you? Really is there see? any talk of adjusting that, Churchy? There he, is, there he is. We're on a one deal, a one year deal here. Yeah. So I think you'll see. I honestly think there's a lot of movement for less games next year, similar to what the men's model is in a, in a lot of these leagues is playing up to about eight games, but increasing the ACC tournament. So you may see a big number like 12 be in the ACC. But for the yeah. first year, it's going to be 10 games over eight weeks and a 16 ACC tournament. So, okay, so I have some questions. ACC tournament. That's pretty. That's probably going to be pretty sweet. Oof, that'd be awesome. So, a couple things I have for you. Um, clear, and this is we kept we we've talked about this off air a bunch, but we haven't brought it up. If Carolina finishes off BYU like they probably should have last year at three nothing, you could make yep. a case. That's four ACC teams, right? Stanford obviously is an, is an ACC team now, but they were yep. headed to the ACC. You're looking at four ACC teams in the Final Four. I do yep. think like the difference between like an SEC and even maybe a Big Ten and the ACC is the top end is so so strong and only gotten stronger now. Like you said, the right. bottom end is cool. is a bit of a struggle at times, right? Mm -hmm. Good luck, Ken, as he takes over Miami. But yeah. then maybe he makes it better, and maybe the Boston U Boston College coach makes it better, and so on and so forth. But there's disparity in that league like no other, right? That middle group is is really strong as well but it's it's interesting to me like why you wouldn't and why you wouldn't increase the tournament only yep. with the caveat as wake forest didn't get in right yep. but maybe or or someone like take with nc state whoever 
whoever the team is. Yeah, but they don't get in the tournament. They get into the tournament because there's eight teams or there's 10 teams or there's 12 teams. Now they get an opportunity to beat Carolina or Virginia or Duke or whoever. Maybe that puts them in. But you guys are handcuffing yourself with only six teams. Is one side of it. I understand the side of this helps us be fresher for the tournament, so on and so forth. So it's just interesting. It's just two different schools of thoughts. The SEC is going to a 12-team tournament next year. So only four teams will be out. Um, and now only the top four teams get buys. So now the bottom eight play into the getting the quarters. But it's uh, it's interesting on the two different sides, how many teams you get in or is it help? And how much is it really helping those those top teams? I mean, Florida State went back and forth to carry five times or whatever and, and won the national championship. So well, they got to play on the field a couple of times. You know, they, they did. got to play. They got to play in the stadium. They have obviously played in too. I think there's a couple of schools of thought. I think we have so many teams that really concentrate on winning the national championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the main reason that they want the last teams in the, in the tournament because of sure. less of injury, chance of injuries, tired legs at the end of the year. At the end of the year, can we get can we get as much rest as we want to? And then you have the school of thought that, hey, I just want to get in the I just want to get an ACC tournament. If I can get in the ACC tournament, that's a big feather in the, feather in our hat here. And uh, and I do think there's more people starting to lean that way in our league. And again, this is just my opinion. Um, uh, I think we voted on it, and we voted on it very quickly this year, in the middle in the middle of October or the beginning of October when we were in the season. So it was hard to put a lot of thought and a lot of conversation into that. Everybody was still trying to stay alive and in their season. Uh, but I think once everybody sits back a little bit, I do think we'll see what the SEC is doing and other ones and in, in move to a bigger ACC tournament. Um, there'll be some teams like that for sure through the nail. But I, I think overall it's, it, it, it probably will move in that direction. What do you think, Brian? What's your thoughts on the ACC? Well, I think there is no – league that suffers more from the RPI influences where it started with not playing everybody in the leagues. You yeah. know, if you see your Big Ten don't play everyone, the teams are fairly closely, uh, yeah. you know, ranked or whatever. But in the ACC, you have this top group that is so elite that, you know, all are real contenders for the Final Four, maybe national championships. And then there's such a big gap that who do you draw in an eight-game schedule? I mean, that's, that's just so unfair. Yeah. Uh, you know, who totally. you play matters. And the ACC is magnified, and then you're giving out a trophy. And the yeah. idea that you could play eight ACC games and a 17 and it's some sort of random draw of who you play, you're not even close to declaring a real champion. For sure. Now, it, this is tongue-in-cheek. What the ACC should do is promotion relegation. We're going to totally. have a – Premier League and a Division One, everybody wins. Then the bottom half only have to play each other. Stop friggin' playing the Dukes and the Carolinas, Virginias for a year, unless we're good enough to go up. Yeah. Win the league, when we go up, someone goes down. It'd be awesome. I mean, well, I think I, the other. I, go ahead, go, go ahead, you go ahead. Uh, go I was going to say, you know, the other piece is, and, and again, I don't want to toot this horn, but the student athlete experience going to a conference tournament is kind of cool. You get a postseason. Like so, yeah. so, with six teams, now you're talking about ten. Oh no, eleven of your teams are done. You know, now maybe some of them. You know, in in the past, a number of them have made it without making the conference tournament. But I'm telling you, in that room, they talk about teams in the bubble that don't make the conference tournament as a negative, regardless of its six teams. So 
I do think yeah. there's there's an argument for that. But again, I just went through thir- 13 years of tournaments at the beach compared to one year at tournament at Round Rock in Austin. And it w- didn't do a lot for me, right? Like, I don't the kids weren't like, oh, this is the greatest ever. But you go to the beach, it's pretty awesome. And I'd say there's plenty of players that enjoyed their conference tournament experience more than their NCAA experience if they didn't if they didn't go too far. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, anyway, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, the last thing last thing I'll say on that, it was a couple of teams to Brian's point. And I, I think Tony Awake was one and you know, we'll mention teams, but you know, he needed he didn't need wins. He had plenty of wins, but he needed to jump in the RPI. And he drew some of the teams at the end. The bottom, yeah. and that ended this. That ended their season. Yeah. So yeah. it was such a huge difference, and then it ended up playing that some way, somehow. They're going to have to figure, it, and that may be, like you're saying, promotion and relegation to be the good teams play each other, and the other teams play. So, so you know. Yeah, and, and so, and let me ask you this too, and then we'll move on to the Big Ten. How, how, how is that? Who, who's deciding your schedule? So in the in the SEC, we had a committee. We had some. We had Darren and I were on it, um, and then we had um, some administrators, SWA, so on and so forth. That was a committee that we all voted and figured out, go to 12 and how we went. So Darren and I represent the coaches. But how are you guys deciding this schedule? Is it you getting a vote, the coaches vote, or the SWA decide, or what's no. what's the – how's it's a coaches vote. It's a coaches vote, but then it's a recommendation sent to the SWAs and the yeah. SWAs. Many times the coaches have voted one way, and all of a sudden yeah. they come to the SWAs and they've gone in a different direction. Sure, yeah, um, yeah. You know, because they have a they have an agenda also. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, yeah, and they get that from their ads. They get that from the ads. So it's sure, it's, sure. It's interesting. Okay. We have been, a couple of times we've been unanimous across the board. We want this, and they go to SA, uh, SWAs, and all of a sudden it comes out something else. Yeah, totally. Okay, let's keep moving. Big Ten. So the Big Ten is adding UCLA and USC uh, and Washington and Oregon. Is that right? Yeah. All yeah. won the Big Ten, right? Yeah. Um, right. So thoughts on that one, Brian? Uh, I feel bad for the Big Ten coaches. You know, that league started to have some parity, maybe with Penn State dropping or the other teams getting better. Yeah. There's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what her name is. That, <laughs> the and and to be fair, she gets to recruit to and it's full credit to like John Walker at Nebraska. Yeah. He's got to recruit in his league. You know, now they're one of the best teams in the league, quarterfinalists. He's got to recruit not just against Marguerite, but the UCLA campus and the West Coast, the Southern California player pool. Yeah. Whoa. I, yeah, that is that is not a good thing for Big Ten teams with championship aspirations. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You have all the all the state school, all the big state schools, right? You got Minnesota, you got Iowa, you got Nebraska, you got um, you know, on and on and on. And and you had to look at that and going, what now not only do we have to play UCLA and USC and Oregon, Washington, we gotta get out there. Right. I mean, yeah. it's not just that playing the team. You got to, you know, or they got to come here. And like you're talking about Syracuse and, and uh, Syracuse and, um, and Boston College. How about yeah. Minnesota and Michigan on a weekend if you're <laughs> the Southern Cal kids in not late October? So it's, uh, it's bizarre. You know, one thing I was going to say, Robbie, is there a farther trip, Stanford to Syracuse or Boston College? Or Miami. Could you go? Or Miami. Yeah, that's true. 
Yep. I mean, that, that's as far as you can go. That's right. Better. Northern Cal to Northern New York. Yep. I mean, that yep. is a hike or Boston. Uh, but anyway, so yeah. thoughts, Robbie, on the Big Ten and, the, and their new 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 teams. I, you know, I kind of go the same way you guys are. I, I think my interest is going to watch next year is how does that Southern Cal athlete adjust to playing in different environments and different places? How does different grass. Different grass. Different grass. And yeah. not a lot of grass. And not a lot of, you know, there may be some plastic grass too in some of them at that yeah. point too. But how do they adjust going up to Minnesota? How do they how do they adjust going to Penn State, uh, Rutgers, Rutgers, and places like that? I mean, that's going to be interesting to watch that Southern Cal athlete because they're not, you know, they're not used to that. Now, you know, sometimes we all know Oregon and Washington can be a tough area too. The weather can be late in the year can be yeah. difficult, but not nearly as difficult as the East Coast, the Northern East Coast, the Upper East Coast. Uh, weather too. So I want to see what both Southern Cal and UCLA do in the month of October next year. It could, it could be a shock to the system. Yeah, well, no doubt. And you know, those kids love a good kick around. Historically, yeah. the Pac-12, yeah. but nobody yeah. liked Washington <laughs> State coming in. And Colorado got a yeah. that way. Uh, how about a kick around in, in East Lansing when the grass is about 14 inches tall and the ball doesn't roll? <laughs> that little Midwest turf. Mid- yeah, Michigan. no doubt. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, I mean, that league, I mean, you, you get top to bottom, that is a tough league now, man. Um, I mean, you, I mean, again, yeah, you sell USC, um, and then you got Penn State, Rutgers, Michigan, Nebraska, Michigan State. I mean, that is, whew, it's awesome. All right, and then last but not least, I forget one, uh, the Big Big 12 with um, with Arizona uh, Arizona State, um, Utah, and who's the one? I'm, who's who am I forgetting? Colorado. One more? Colorado. 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 Yeah. I mean, again, all of these leagues got better, significantly better. Um, well, I don't know. I maybe SEC didn't get significantly better, but those other leagues got significantly better with soccer programs. Um, they, got, they got better coaches. Uh, that's, that's they, right. They that's got significantly better one coaching in the in that league. <laughs> uh, but. Um, I mean, wow, right? Wow. I mean, you added BYU, UCF, Houston, Cincinnati. You said, okay, that's great. BYU is great. UCF, they're good teams. But now you, I mean, Arizona, Arizona is doing just just fine. Colorado is not easy at all. And Utah, Hideki's doing a great job. So four more good teams in that league, all soccer playing teams. So now, you know, you lose Oklahoma and Texas, and now you bring in four four more good soccer playing teams. And now, I mean, I don't know how they're going to do it. Um it's funny, you know, we had these big 12 meetings and when they started talking scheduling, me and Ange had to get off the call. We weren't allowed to listen to what they're doing. But, um, you know, you could be playing in, you could be playing in Orlando. You could be playing in Utah. Um, it's going to be wild. The travel is going to be wild for these, these, these schools. And it's definitely made the big 12 stronger, no doubt about it. Um, and, and it's going to be a formidable league now with Texas Tech and TCU. I mean, it's, it's a really good league. Um, thoughts on that one, Robbie? Yeah, I mean, I mean, each of the conference we've talked about, we've talked about travel and, and how crazy travel is and how far distance. Maybe the SEC is probably the only one that has any type of sane travel, if you can say that. Um, how long will it last? How long will this yeah. last? I mean, when 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 is <laughs> student athletes going to say this is too much? This is not enough. I mean, when does these Stanford kids go, you know, across campus in the middle of October when it's midterms 
and they're and they're going to Boston College or wherever they're going, Miami. You know, when do they say uh, this is this is the craziness to to put us through all of this travel during a regular season? Yeah, they travel. We traveled during the NCAA tournament. We understand that, and we're excited about that. But now after traveling, you know, four or five weekends, and now you come to the NCAA tournament, you're shipped back across the thing. You're like, let's get the hell done with this season. Yeah. Um, this this thing has beat us up. So. Well, there's somebody, a very strong voice on this podcast, uh, maybe last year, weeks ago, said there's no way, he pounded the desk, there's no way UCLA ever plays at Penn State or Michigan or wherever. He said that over and over again. So we're about to right. find out if he was That's right exactly. or if he was wrong. The other person on the podcast, this meek little fella that doesn't say much, um, he said, I think they're going to. So one of us is going to be right, one of us is going to be wrong. But well, Brian, go ahead. Yeah, the one who's going to be right is the one who's been telling you all this is going to happen for a decade. And you've been like, you still thought, you know, the SEC was going to have whoever from back in the day. You still thought the Southwest Conference was going to survive. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> um, the other, yeah. the other <laughs> mission of the South, Southern Conference. Well, what I think about these big 12 teams <laughs> right. is, you know, it's uh, for the Colorados and the Arizona States. I mean, they, those coaches have done a good job and Utah. And, and But when you go into a year and you don't really have a chance to win a championship or a trophy, that kind of sucks. And moving to the Big 12, they're a little closer. You know, BYU is still yeah. a very nationally dominant, you know, team. But that's not as many elite. They don't have to get over UCLA and Stanford, who are never yeah. going over. Um, so positive moves for those teams, I think, from a pure soccer standpoint, you, you can have some hope we might win a, a trophy. Interesting. Okay. So that's realignment. And again, Pac-12's kind of out. Uh, Oregon Oregon State and and uh, or, uh, and Washington State did win the lawsuit, right? So they did get the money. Um, and, again, what they're going to do will be interesting. Um, and, and how they're going to go, we'll be anxious to see what happens with those two schools. All right, other topic, again, just a couple more topics here tonight, um, is this new uh, article that came out from the NCAA, from the NCAA uh, president, that talked about, you know, a lot of new things that they're trying to implement in the, in the NCAA with NIL um, and with, with um, you know, different groups and levels. And I'm not well-versed on it, but I did uh, take a little excerpt out of what he said today, which I thought was interesting. I'm going to read this to you guys just to, to kick off this conversation. I don't think any of us are well-versed enough. We should get a, a compliance person on here to talk, give us how it works, and I could do that certainly maybe next week. But um, So here's some interesting stats that I took away from it. 59 schools spend over $100 million on athletics annually. 32 schools spend less than 50 – or sorry, more than 50, less than 100. 259 Division I schools spend less than 50. 144 spend less than 25 million. 98% of Division II and Division III spend less than 20 million. So there's a clear disparity between the top 60-ish and everybody else, right? So I think that's where this is headed. And one of the things the NCAA doesn't want to do is they don't want to deal with NIL. They want to say, okay, you guys go spend however you want, do it whatever you want. They don't want to legislate it. They don't want to be in charge of it. They kind of want to leave it to the conferences um, and, and the schools to do it. But along those lines become scholarship allotment and, you know, just really an autonomy to do 
um, things that maybe not everybody's going to be able to do. So uh, initial reactions to what came out today or anything else you guys want to add? I know you've both seen it um, and seen and it's, it's pretty interesting. Again, nothing is set in stone, but it's the, 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 the way the path is going and what we're going to look like in the future. Um, the one thing that popped out to me was kind of, and we've all talked about this many times, is creating a subdivision of football only. And this mm -hmm. talked about coming out, creating a FBS subdivision, permit schools to directly compensate athletes through trust funds and things like that. So what does that mean to everybody else? You pull everybody out, the football, you pull football out, which I think, I think everybody thinks is a great idea. And they need, we need to pull football out. We need to push them and let them do their own thing because we're all dictated in these conferences. And that's why we're going across the country because of football and football yeah. only too. So I, I think, you know, okay, bring that out. Great ideas. They let them do what they want to, but what does that mean to us? What's going to, what's going to happen to the Olympic sports? You know, some sports like Duke, we have 27 different sports, which is insane in, the, in these days and time and not sustainable, I think. You know, I don't think any of this stuff is going to be very sustainable. And So, Churchy, let me ask you this. And again, pardon my ignorance, but the funding yeah. for those 27 sports. So a lot of us are obviously funded primarily by football. Right, is that the sure. case at Duke? And if it's not the case at Duke, how is it funded? Um, not very well. <laughs> is no, I mean, like, where is it coming from? Yeah, I mean, it, it does come from an overall athletic. It does come from the Iron Dukes, which is the fundraising arm of the athletic of the athletic department. I mean, again, we, we talked about this earlier. We have a football stadium that holds 42, 44,000, something like that. We put Duke fans in there, probably 13, 15,000 is, is probably all the Duke fans. Now, Clemson comes in, Carolina comes in, Virginia Tech comes in to travel. Well, we sell the place out and, you know, we get the, we get the same amount of money. But it's, you know, you're, you're talking about if they're going to make this subdivision, this not going to be every team, I don't think, in the right. Power Five. It's going right. to be a, a number, I think it's been 60 or something we've seen. Yeah. You know, so I don't know how many teams up the top of my head in the Power Five. So, but I think there's more than 60, right? 65. Or 64. 65. 65. In the Power it? Five, there's 65. You know, again, that's including right now Oregon and Washington State, Oregon State, Washington State. I believe and there's sixty-five. Okay, and I know there's, I know there's schools that are, you know, there's a lot of schools that are debating: Do I want to stay in this thing? Do I want to play big-time football? Can we afford to play big-time football and, and, and keep our other sports? But back to your question: Is you know, our funding comes, you know, not not directly. Football provides some of it because sure. of television, because of television revenue, not as much as putting people in the stadium. It's the it's the contracts and the stuff too, but doesn't and our problem obviously, and that's why people want out of our league is we're about thirty to thirty five million dollars per year behind the SEC and the Big Ten, and that's sure. why we have you know half of our team or all of our teams would go to the SEC and the Big Ten if they if they could because of that because of that funding so they yeah. can help the rest of the sports out. Yeah, Brian. Well, to me, I mean, to me on this, I, I thought it's great. Uh, from NCAA President uh, Baker to get out in front of things and try and come up with a solution. There's a lot of layers to it. You know, the part about we're just going to pull football out. Well, you're we're all we all get funding from the government, so we're all under gender equity Title IX laws. So they you know they can become somewhat separate, but the, you still have to have the participation and the dollars per student athlete um, spent. 
Um, you know, secondary to that, you got this employment issue where the NCAA is trying to lobby the government to, you know, figure out a way where we're not calling these kids pros. Well, there is no way to the, the, the football players are pros. Do I think women's soccer players are treated like pro athletes and spending, you know, that amount of time, eight hours a day uh, as a, you know, what in essence is a paid employee the way the football players are? Absolutely not. But we're kind of lumped in with them as well. And so are you know, most of the non-reps. So they're not going to win that battle. So the money's the lawsuits are going to keep coming. And I think there's a really, really big one on the horizon that plenty of Division One teams aren't going to be able to pay their portion because it's going to be a huge number. And then expansion is going to be followed by contraction to some degree. Does it mean Division One really shrinks? Does it mean that number of Power Five, you know, schools where these bigger leagues, this isn't uh, clearly, does anyone think this is a, hey, let's collegially slap it. You've been with us for 30 years. I know you generate 2 million of this and, you know, we generate 120 million of, you know, our piece of the pie, but we're just going to let you keep, you know, having your part because we like you and we've been with you for a long time. So contractions coming, whether it's 40, 60, that thing is going to look like NFC, AFC for football pretty soon. And where does everyone else fall out? And as I've been telling you, Matt, let's not forget that, all of that, that clearly schools get to have as many scholarships as they want, you know, is what Baker is suggesting. And it also would mean they are allowed to have as many sports as they want. They've just got to meet gender equity laws within that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You- yeah. It's, it'll be interesting, right? When they start to say, okay, this school values soccer. So this school is going to let you have 15 or 20 scholarships. This school doesn't value soccer. So you're only getting 10 scholarships, right? Like, and again, that's just one sport, but it will be really interesting to see how that that all breaks down. And and you start talking about AFC, NFC, right? So let's move on to this and, and we'll wrap up with these last two things. But obviously all the talk on every podcast across the country is the college football playoff and the chaos that was created with Alabama beating Georgia. Um, and I think when you say AFC, NFC, you got Texas and, and, and Washington – um, and you have Alabama and Michigan. And what do you really have? SEC versus the Big Ten, right? You've got the Big Ten in Michigan and Washington next year and Texas and Alabama um, in the SEC. And that's where this thing is headed and, and Florida State got left out. And this is my argument. And, you know, Chris and I, for those of you guys who don't know, we, we, we can argue about is the sky blue or is it, you know, light blue. I mean, we, we'll argue and fight about anything. And we actually couldn't fight that much about this because we both agreed, believe it or not, that there is not a right answer to this problem, right? Because you could argue either side to the hill, but if you really are objective and you don't have a dog in the fight, you can make a case for both of them. And at the end of the day, the problem is there were four spots and five teams that were all worthy of getting that last spot. And I think for me personally, I watched the the, the um, Alabama and Georgia football game, and I watched painfully the Florida State and uh, Florida State and Louisville game. And there's nobody in any and that doesn't even know sports that could have watched those two games and thought that Alabama and Georgia, quite frankly, weren't significantly better than Florida State. And again, it's a new point if the Florida State quarterback doesn't get hurt, but obviously the quarterback is just not another linebacker or another safety 
he's the most important person on the team. So that's my opinion. I'd love to hear your guys on it. And again, don't call me an SEC homer. This has nothing to do with SEC or ACC or anything like that. It's just watching those teams. And and again, it's coming from a person I don't know anything about football. I, I I love to watch football, but I don't know what a cover two is or a whatever the plays are they're running. I just enjoy watching it. But anybody that knows anything about athletics watches that game. Clearly, one team is better than the other. Go ahead, Brian. You go. Well, from a committee standpoint, it, basically they get to pick the four teams, you know, that play for the national championship and the top 11 other than that get in the big bowls and then the one group of five team gets in to yeah. make the top 12. So they're really right. doing two things. They're kind of selecting the group of five team because where they rank them yeah. puts them in or not. And they're selecting the, the semifinalists. Well, for the semifinalists, they left out 13-0 and Florida State. ACC champion over, you can argue Alabama or Texas. If Texas hadn't beat Alabama, that was a long time ago, they'd be right there in the argument as well. Yeah. Um, and a, you know, you can put Georgia in the argument as well. They won 29 of their last 30 games. It's crazy. I know where you're going with, I know where you're going with this. Good. This is good. This well, is good. Yeah. <laughs> well, you chose one loss Alabama, if you want to call them one loss Texas over yeah. Florida state because of strength of schedule, right? That's the only reason. Yeah. Florida state. Yeah. So That's then, one metric metrics that was lopsided. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Then the other thing they have to choose is the group of five team that gets to play in the New Year's Day bowls that aren't all on New Year's Day anymore. So right. one of the big. But very important. Very important games. Very, very important. important bowl games. Really the only bowl games that matter. Yeah. Let's keep it real. Right. Yes. Those are the ones so, that matter that everybody wants to win. So you are down yeah. to two teams in that. Yeah. 13-0 and 0 Liberty who yeah. played quite literally – the worst schedule in Division One football. There's 133 teams. Their strength of schedule was, drum roll please, 133. <laughs> versus SMU, who won their last nine games, beat like number 22 lane in their championship game. Their two losses were to, I think, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, and, yeah. And Baylor in reasonable games. So now you get to choose between these two, and you completely reversed. Yeah. <laughs> Your decision-making process. That's that's not okay to me is, is yeah. the way I look at it. You, you've got to have a – it's either strength of schedule or just record or whatever you – you know, whatever you want, you don't get to flippantly then change your mind. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the next one. And, you, and it's the same thing. You can't watch SMU play football and watch Liberty play football and think, oh, boy, that'd be a good game. You know, one of right. them looks like Bama, one of them looks like Rice. So uh, – <laughs> You know, that, that's that's my general take on that. So I don't, you know, are they all worthy? Sure. I mean, Georgia, I can't believe Georgia's not in the conversation. They lost a close game to Alabama, who's in the semis. Well, and, and then why why do you put why do you put Georgia sixth and Florida State fifth? You really should have put Florida State behind Georgia. Because if you're using yeah. that criteria for the Alabama Florida State, well, Georgia looked a lot better than they were the number one team. You dropped them to six. Why wouldn't you put them at five? And just say, listen, Florida State doesn't have it for us. So, yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a mess. It was a mess for sure. But well, I do think you have – I don't think you have the best four because I think well, – I'm not sure Washington is one of the best four. They were a 10-point underdog to Oregon. You could argue that – and, again, not being an SEC homer, but Georgia was the number one team all year. You could argue they were ahead of Washington and Texas. But, anyway, uh, Churchy, go ahead. Weigh in on us, and then we'll wrap this thing up. 
Yeah, no, I, I don't have much. You guys are way yeah. ahead of me in this college football thing. But when did winning not count? When did right. winning stop counting? When did 13-0 and 0 not count over one-loss teams? It wasn't like Florida State's schedule was awful. LSU, they beat LSU. They drubbed LSU early in the year on a neutral, on a neutral field. So when did winning not count? When does you win everything in front of you? This is their schedule that's in front of you. Win every single game. And if it happened to any of us, and and we would be screaming, hollering, just like Florida State is, you know. know, I I do think, I I will say this, it it does always come down to the metrics, right? And the metrics with the strength of schedule is different. But the reason we went away from the metrics was because they didn't like the BCS and the computer, right? And what the computer had, computer had Florida State in. So go figure uh, how it was. This crazy. All right, last thing. Oh, go ahead, Robbie. I'm sure the AD at uh, at Florida State screaming to bring that computer back. And yeah, no doubt. Well, now, now we go into 12, and the argument will be correct. It's going to correct. But there'll be yeah, an argument between 12 and 13. Oh, 12 and 13, absolutely. For okay. Sure. Um, last thing, um, kind of a fun topic. What is the best destination or activity during the college soccer Karen Hoppe? dead period <laughs> what's the best thing you can do mm. I, I take a trip I, you know megan my assistant's going to new zealand for like 10 awesome. days where else do we have a window or have we for 30 years none of us forget megan's like maybe 30 31 we're yeah. 30 31 we're at the uh, Orlando Wide World of Disney 20, Sports yep. Complex. December 26th. Yeah. We're at, we're at the Orange Bowl, you know, back down in okay. Miami. Oh, yeah. That's, way that's back way back. Yep. But hold yeah. on. The Disney, we're standing on that. We're up We're up on the big high rise looking at where four fields. We think we're the king of the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're watching Eclipse versus the, uh, you know, SoCal Blues. And this is the greatest thing ever on yeah. December 27th. And everybody else in the world, is a joint vacation. But sorry, Brian, go ahead. No, but that's it. I mean, take the, we don't get two weeks off anywhere else in the calendar. You know, it, it, I'm not talking a weekend in Orange Beach, you yeah. know, or the South Florida Key West for three days. I mean, plan something in advance. Go to Europe on a real vacation. Go go see something. Yeah. Churchy? <laughs> I was down. It was, it's funny you talk about Disney. I was down to see our son's basketball team in the uh, Wild World Sports um, mm-hmm. over Thanksgiving when they played three games and won the, won the tournament. And I'm staring out the window at the under, I think, 14 tournament that was on all the fields. I had to even walk out, walk down the sidewalk like the old days. Because how long has it been? It's been almost yeah. eight years since we yeah. were there. We we all grew up there. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And it, they're still on every field as far as you can see play. But did, did they say, did they say, hey, there's Coach Church from Duke. Hey, look at this. Don't you see it? You know, Coach is here to watch me. They look like it looked like Coach Church from FAU basketball uh, shirt on there over there. So they had no idea. <laughs> the awesome. the other thing is the other thing is I I was so wrong and I'm so happy I was so wrong because I screamed and hollered when Karen Hopper came out with this dead period. I was a very vocal. I didn't want anybody to tell me that we couldn't do anything. I wanted to make my own choice. I wanted to do, you know, that. 
I was so wrong. And I'm so happy. I was so, <laughs> I was so wrong. It's the greatest thing ever because the best place to go is Oak Island, North Carolina and sit at our house at the beach instead oh, of awesome. out, yeah. over the, out over the marsh with a little cold one in your hand. So uh, looking forward. And no, to that. Nobody else is working. Nobody no, else and, is working. and that's it. That's the key. Yeah. Is, yeah. You know, you even if you went on a vacation before, you're always like, oh, somebody's getting it. Matt Mott and Brian Lee are getting those recruits that I yeah. won't. And now yeah. nobody's working. Yeah, uh, it's fantastic. No, Karen Hoppat may have the biggest impact in the history of college women's sports. Uh, not Our teams were great and they've done great, but the dead period was great. Um, listen, yeah. I think for college soccer days, I think it's really important for people to understand kind of who we are and people that maybe haven't met us or not know us. So I'm going to explain to you how different Brian Lee and I are. Okay. So Brian Lee for a vacation, he's going to Turks and Caicos or St. St. Marguerite Island or Aruba. And he's sitting on the beach and he's drinking his drinking. And he's having a great time. And Matt Mott's vacation, give me a Caribbean cruise, a, a carnival cruise. I'm at the, I got the microphone. I'm doing, I'm doing karaoke. I'm up on the, on the pool deck, <laughs> pumping my fist. Let's go. That's the difference in college soccer nation. Brian is at the five-star resort in Aruba. And Matt Ma is dancing on the pool deck on the Carnival Cruise, waiting for the buffet to open so he can go get his 24-hour pizza. That's what Matt Ma wants. Anyway, that's how I want to spend my uh, my dead period. But uh, any comments, Brian? Do you agree with that or disagree with that? I couldn't agree anymore. Although I've been on some <laughs> Carnival Cruises. They're a good time. They are a good time. They are a good time. Um, all right. Boys, enjoyed it. We'll get on next week. We'll wrap up the season penultimate show this was. Did I say that right? Penultimate. Um, and hopefully we're going to effort to get Brian Pensky on to congratulate him and then talk to him certainly about the run he had this year. We won't talk about the Duke game, Robbie. Don't worry about that. Um, but we will talk about uh, his run for sure. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Darren, for producing us. Another fun show for us. Uh, we appreciate you listening. College Soccer Nation is out.